0: Good morning. Welcome to our podcast, our worship service remote for Plains United Methodist Church of Plains and for First United Methodist Church of West Pittston, Pennsylvania. Our scriptures for later in the service will be John eight, twelve through thirty, and Exodus three, one through fifteen. I am Reverend Teny Rupnick, and my email address is tenhutrup at gmail dot com. That's T E N h-u-t-r-u-p at gmail.com Please send me any prayer requests you have and let me know if they are private in nature or if it's okay to share them on next week's podcast so that your church family can be praying for you. Our prayer requests for our charge this week are for Clyde Dukes, for Beverly Copeland, for Rebecca, who is fighting cancer, little Nate Gray, who is fighting cancer, for Sue and Ty Williams, for a baby named Boston who was born prematurely, and for all our healthcare workers and first responders, for all our governmental and civic leaders. This is the 13th Sunday after Pentecost, August 30, 2020. Our first hymn this morning is number 98 in the hymnal and is entitled, To God Be the Glory. To God
1: be the glory great things he hath done, so loved he the world that he gave us his son, who yielded his life an atonement for sin, and opened the life gate that all may go in. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise. Praise the Lord, let the people rejoice O come to the Father through Jesus the Son And give him the glory, great things he hath done O perfect redemption, the purchase of blood To every believer the promise of God The vilest offense who truly believes that moment from jesus a pardon receives praise the lord praise the lord let the earth hear his voice praise the lord praise the lord let the people rejoice oh come to the father through jesus the son and give him the glory great things he hath done great things he hath taught us great things he hath done and great are rejoicing through jesus the son but purer and higher and greater will be our wonder our transport when jesus we see praise the lord praise the lord let the earth hear his voice praise the lord praise the lord let the people rejoice Oh come to the Father through Jesus the Son, and give him the
0: glory, great things he hath done. Our gathering meditation for this morning is from Romans 12, verses 9 through 11. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection, outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal, be ardent in spirit, serve the Lord. And our call to worship from Psalm 26. Vindicate us, O Lord, for we have trusted in you without wavering. Prove us, O Lord, and try us, for we will walk in faithfulness to you. Help us to walk in integrity and to hate all evil doing. Wash our hands in innocence, O Lord. Bring us closer to God, to where you dwell, closer to the place where your glory abides. Amen. Our opening prayer, O Lord, you do such wondrous things. You have revealed yourself to your children, and we have gathered here to refresh ourselves in your presence. May the whole earth be filled with your glory. Fill your people with your presence. Let us become caught up in the exhilaration of you. May every soul listening encounter your greatness, and may we be filled with the unspeakable joy that comes from your throne. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our second hymn this morning will be read rather than sung, and it's 397 and is entitled, I need thee every hour. I need thee every hour, most gracious Lord. No tender voice like thine can peace afford. I need thee, oh, I need thee, every hour I need thee. O oh, bless me now, my Savior, I come to thee. I need thee every hour, stay thou nearby. Temptations lose their power when thou art nigh. I need Thee, O I need Thee, every hour I need Thee, O bless me now, my Savior, I come to Thee. I need Thee every hour, in joy or pain, come quickly and abide, or life is vain. I need Thee, I need Thee, every hour I need Thee, O bless me now, my Savior, I come to Thee. I need Thee every hour, teach me Thy will, and Thy rich promises in me fulfill. I need thee, oh, I need thee, every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior, I come to thee. We need thee every hour, most holy one. Oh, make us thine indeed, thou blessed Son. We need thee, oh, we need thee, every hour we need thee. Oh, bless us now, our Savior, we come to thee. Join together with me now in our confession of faith the Apostles' Creed. Let us say what we believe and believe what we say. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, World without end. Amen. Amen. We now come to the time in our service in which we have our children's message. Let's talk about shoes. Shoes come in all types and sizes. There are dressy or fancy shoes like we might wear to church, there are athletic shoes like we wear when we play sports, there are sandals or flip flops for summer look at the shoes you have on now. Or if you don't have shoes on now, think of all the shoes that you have in your closet. Or if your shoes aren't in your closet, think of all your shoes as they're lying around the house on the floor or under your bed. We have all kinds of shoes. But why are we talking about shoes, you might be wondering? Well, shoes protect our feet, but they can also say something else for us. Raise your hand if you wear your shoes inside most of the time. Wiggle your toes if you take your shoes off when you're inside. People might take off their shoes to keep from tracking dirt inside, and in some places, people always take off their shoes and leave them at the door when they enter a house as a sign of respect. It's polite. The word respect means to show someone that you think that that person is important and that their home is important in this case. And that reminds me of today's Bible lesson. God told a man named Moses to take off his shoes. To get ready to hear about what happened to Moses, let's take off our shoes now. If you have shoes on, join me in taking yours off. I'll take mine off too. If you don't have any shoes on right now, then reach down and touch both of your bare feet for a second. Feel your toes, feel the bottom of your feet. Okay, I'm getting my shoes off. God called Moses from a burning bush to get his attention and to talk to him. God had an important job for Moses. He told Moses to take off his sandals because he was standing on holy ground as he was listening to God. Moses was standing on special or important ground. Let's hear what happened. From the Bible book of Exodus. An angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in a flame of fire out of a bush. Moses looked and the bush was blazing, yet it was not burned up. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that Moses was paying attention, that he had turned aside to see, God called out to him from the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Then God said, Come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. So, in this Bible passage, at first Moses was confused and wasn't sure God could really be speaking to him. It probably was confusing. God spoke to Moses out of a bush on fire, a bush that was on fire and didn't burn to get his attention. But God also wanted Moses to understand that God is very important and deserves respect, so God asked Moses to take off his shoes to remind him of that. What are some ways that we remind ourselves that God is very special and deserves some respect? Well, many of us bow our heads when we pray. That's one little thing that we do. Or we fold our hands together. Some of us take off our baseball caps or hats in church and when we pray before meals. Sometimes we pray with special words and in very special places. Can you think of any other ways that we show through our actions that God is very special and deserves respect? Let's pray now. Fold your hands and bow your heads with me. Lord God, thank you for being so special and holy and good. Help us to remember that you deserve our respect. Remind us to show you extra love in all that we do. Amen. Join with me now in our prayer for illumination before the scripture readings. O God, your word is more precious than fine gold and sweeter than the purest honey. As we turn to your scripture, send your Holy Spirit so that we may see and understand and believe your word, your truth, and your grace. Grant that the good news of your love shines before our eyes and delights our senses, and help us to respond with wonder, faith, and trust. And all God's children say, Amen. Our gospel reading this morning is from the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verses 12 through 30. Again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Then the Pharisees said to him, You are testifying on your own behalf. Your testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, Even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid, because I know where I have come from and where I am going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is valid, for it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is valid. I testify on my own behalf, and the Father who sent me testifies on my behalf. Then they said to him, Where is your Father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my Father. If you knew me, you would know my Father also. He spoke these words while he was teaching in the treasury of the temple, but no one arrested him, because his hour had not yet come. Again he said to them, I am going away and you will search for me, but you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. Then the Jews said, Is he going to kill himself? Is that what he means by saying, Where I am going, you cannot come? Jesus said to them, You are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins, for you will die in your sins unless you believe that I am he. They said to him, Who are you? Jesus said to them, Why do I speak to you at all? I have very much to say about you and much to condemn, but the one who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand that he was speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will realize that I am he, and that I do nothing on my own, but I speak these things as the Father instructed me. And the one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what is pleasing to him. As he was saying these things, many believed in him. Our Old Testament reading is taken from the book of Exodus, chapter 3, verses 1 through 15. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, He led this flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that Moses had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses! And he said, Here I am. Then God said, Come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. The Lord said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt, I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the country of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. The cry of the Israelites has now come to me. I have seen how the Egyptians oppress them, So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? God said, I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. But Moses said to God, If I come to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. He said further, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the Israelites, The Lord, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my title. For all generations. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The title of our message for this morning is A Better Question. So, Moses has gotten a lot accomplished in a week's time. I mean, last week he was just a little baby, an infant floating in the reeds along the banks of the Nile in a papyrus basket that had been waterproofed with bitumen and pitch. He had been crying and he had been rescued, rescued by the daughter of the pharaoh, a very important woman, obviously, who not only made sure he was looked after as a nursing baby and then a small boy, but who also adopted him after he had grown some, adopted that Hebrew boy as her own son. And if you're familiar with the biblical story, or even just with the animated movie by the same name, you know that Moses became a prince of Egypt, thanks to his adopted mother's name and care and connections. Moses grew up as a prince of Egypt as he enjoyed wealth and power and privilege and as he wanted for nothing. But if you remember the tale, you also remember that Moses lost all that standing and prestige, that he lost hold of all those advantages and securities, when he indulged in revenge against a man, when he assaulted and killed an Egyptian with whom he was very angry, and that Moses then had to run, had to run for his life. Because as the scripture said, when, Moses, when Pharaoh heard of the murder, he sought to kill Moses. So Moses goes on the lamb, Moses flees from Pharaoh and winds up settling in the land of Midian a new land, where he finds a wife and builds a life. Years pass. Moses is still in Midian, but back in Egypt, back in Egypt, the Israelites suffer in their slavery and groan out to God to deliver them from it. And as Exodus 2, 24 through 25 states, God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God looked upon the Israelites, and God took notice of them. God took notice of them. So then, so now, so now we arrive at our scripture for this morning. Now we come to this familiar and beloved story of Moses walking along near Mount Horeb and seeing a bush in flames, a scrubby little wilderness tree on fire. This well-known and well-loved story of Moses turning aside When he sees these flames, and of Moses moving closer to this burning bush in order to get a better look at it, of Moses coming closer to that spectacle of a fire that does not destroy, and of Moses then removing his sandals as he finds himself on holy ground and as he obeys a disembodied voice that is coming from that burning but non burning bush, as he obeys a voice he couldn't have expected and does not understand. Now, we know that that voice is none other than God's. Most of us do know that. We know it because we've heard this story before and because we paid attention when the scripture was read just now. Yeah, we know it. But think of Moses. All he knows is that he was walking along and something caught his attention, a mysterious sight, the sight of a bush on fire, which does not burn up. And being a human being, being a curious person, he walked closer to see what was going on exactly And that Moses then heard a voice call out to him from that bush lit by supernatural flames. Can you imagine what he must have been thinking? What must have been going through Moses' head as he hears the voice tell him to come no closer and command him to remove his sandals and then inform him that I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Well, we can't know exactly what was going on through his mind. But we do know that Moses believes this voice, which is speaking out to him. We know this because the scripture then tells us, plain as day, as they say, that Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Moses was afraid to look at God, meaning that he did believe the voice when it claimed it was of God. And then God goes on to say, I have observed the misery of my people. I have heard their cry, I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them and bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land. So come, I will send you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And what does Moses say to all that? I'm really asking, what does Moses say after his attention was caught and he moved closer and he heard and believed? And then heard more, as God said, I have, and I know, and I come, and I will send you. What does our Moses say to that? Well, the scripture tells us that Moses asked a question after all of that, that Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to the Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? That Moses said to the Lord Almighty in heaven, who am I, Moses, that I shall do these things? Now listen, I know there are some teachers and coaches out there, some parents and mentors who are listening, who might disagree with what I say next, and that's that I think this was a really dumb question. I know, I know that there are those of you out there who firmly say and fully believe that there is no such thing as a dumb question, and normally I would agree. But Moses, Moses, I kind of do think that he asks a dumb question here because God Almighty was talking to him, and Moses recognized and believed that it was indeed God. And then Moses hears his Almighty God, in caps, in all caps, go on to say who God is and what God has done and will do. But to all of that, Moses asks, who am I, Moses, that I can do these things? But who am I, Moses, that I can do these things? Can you see? It's just not the best question. In fact, it's a dumb question. But we can't be too hard on Moses. We really shouldn't be too tough on him for asking it. For isn't this the same dumb question that we ask all of the time? Those of us who have faith in God, those of us who have heard from God and who have drawn closer to God, those of us who have seen God's great power, and have experienced God's always faithful love. Those of us who know all that God can and will and does do for us and in spite of us, as Christians, we know the stories of God's power. We believe in the evidence of God's deliverance. We even experience God for our very selves as we feel a connection through the Spirit and a closeness in belief. And yet... And yet, when we feel challenged to trust in God and step out in our faith, we all too often say, who am I, Lord, that you ask me to do this thing? Yeah, yeah, you're almighty God, but who am I, Moses? Right, of course. I mean, I do believe that you're the creator of the universe and of all that lives and breathes, but who am I, Craig or Tom, Barbara or Lois? Gotcha. You are my all-powerful savior and king, but who am I, Tenny, that you think I can do this thing? I have done exactly this many times. It's actually a central part of my own call story, my call to ministry. I've shared a little bit of my story with a few of you all before, and it's a common enough tale, one that you'll hear in one form or another from other pastors. You see, when I started to hear from God, when I started to feel a kind of push toward ministry, I recognized who was talking to me and I understood what was happening. But still I said, "Mm, this is not gonna work because I was asking the dumb question. It was actually saying, after all, who am I? Because you see, when I first felt a call to ministry, I listened to my doubts and my insecurities. I heeded my fears and I shrank from the possibilities. In the very beginning, I was a mom of very, very small kids, and I was trying to finish my bachelor's degree, and I was busy and distracted and overwhelmed some of the time, and I said, Who am I? Later, as I continued to hear the call, I was then a stay-at-home mom of elementary-aged children and wife to a military husband who was serving overseas, and I was again busy and distracted and overwhelmed this time, most of the time, and I said, who am I? Even later, when I was basically commanded through my spirit somehow to apply to seminary, I told God, no way, because who am I? And when I did get accepted to that seminary, I was truly astounded and was sure I couldn't do the work and pass the classes and said to God, but who am I? And when it turned out that I was not only surviving, but excelling in my work for seminary, I then focused on the ordination process, which, in United Methodism, is separate from the schoolwork, and I remember telling myself, I mean, yeah, I can finish school, but the church won't want me, because who am I? And etc. You get the idea. I spent a whole season of my life, you see, just as Moses did when he stood on that holy ground in front of that burning bush. I spent a whole season of my own life still asking the really dumb question of who am I, even though I saw and heard God and understood it was God I was hearing from, and even though I was convinced of God's wisdom and faithfulness and grace, and even though I completely believed in God's might and in God's power, even though I completely saw and heard, understood and believed, in spite of all that, I continued to ask, who am I? In the face of all that faith and belief, it was a really dumb question when you think about it. Or rather, for you coaches and mothers, teachers and mentors out there, maybe it's just a really, really weak question or the wrong question when there is a much better question to be asking. We'll get back to that better question in just a moment. But first... How many of you listening now are asking that first dumb or weak or wrong question yourself? How many of you are asking who am I when you've had a strong gut feeling, felt a not so subtle push, heard an urgent suggestion from somewhere deep within yourself and or from somewhere mysteriously outside yourself? A feeling a push A suggestion that tickles at you and tugs at you, pulls at you and leans on you. A feeling, a push, a suggestion that is like a still small voice to your spirit or a yodel in your soul's ear or a calling out to your heart or a draw to your mind that asks, prompts, pleads with you to do something lasting and wonderful, something faithful and obedient and real. Have you, in your own way, been caught up and called out? Your attention caught as you move closer in your curiosity and as you see and hear and believe. This feeling, push, suggestion, and call doesn't have to be a call to something supremely difficult or seemingly impossible, like a fugitive shepherd returning to the land of his murderous crime and freeing an entire population from a despot king who enslaves them. No, your call didn't and doesn't have to be something that big. Perhaps your nudge was toward applying for that job or seeking that promotion you've always wanted, but are afraid you can't handle. Maybe you've been pushed to share your singing voice in church. Just a little plug there. Or maybe you're being led to make a speech in front of people, something you wouldn't normally do, or to try your hand at painting or to write a book. Maybe you're being called to somehow help the homeless or abused women. Perhaps God thinks you'll make a good big brother or big sister to a lonely child. Maybe you are being nudged to, or even though you describe yourself as a hopeless couch potato, maybe you're being nudged to just try and start the habit of jogging. And perhaps to that, to whatever nudge or push or feeling or suggestion you've had, Whatever bush that's burning but does not burn, time you are going through, you have asked that dumb question and said, But God, who am I that I might do this thing? And all I really wanted to say this morning, all I really wanted to challenge or propose to both you and to myself today, is that we start asking the better question of who is God that we might do this thing? Who is God? That's the real question, the right one. Not who are you or who am I and what have we accomplished, but who is God and what is it that God has done and what is it that God is calling us to do with God's faithful help now? You know, it's not even the better question. It's the best question or rather the only question. Who is God? For it is on God's power and God's ability and God's faithfulness that the people of God rely. After all, it is only on the I am that we are or ever could be. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Our next hymn for this morning is number 67 in our hymnal and is entitled, We Thy People Praise Thee. We thy people praise thee, praise thee, God of every nation. We thy people praise thee, praise thee, Lord of hosts eternal. Days of wonder, days of beauty, days of rapture filled with light. Tell thy goodness, tell thy mercies, tell thy glorious might. We thy people praise thee, praise thee, praise thee evermore. We thy people praise thee. Praise thee, God of every nation. We thy people praise thee, praise thee, Lord of hosts eternal. For thy blessings, for thy bounty, joyful songs we sing to thee, songs of glory, songs of triumph to our God and King. We thy people praise thee, praise thee, praise thee evermore. At this point in our podcast, we remember our call to support our churches with our time our talents, and our treasure. Remember, church attendance should not be what we get out of it. Rather, it should always be about the praise that we are giving to God and what we are meant to give to others. As God gave generously to us, so we give back unto our God. And so I say now, as I say every week, just as our Almighty God gave entirely of God's self for our sakes, we are likewise called to give up of ourselves, time and time again, for the sake of others. Let us pray. God of compassion, sometimes we are reluctant to follow you and to place our entire trust in you. We feel more secure trusting in our own ability and our own strength. Thank you for this moment in our worship service when we are reminded that your unwavering, steadfast love takes a hold of us and always provides. Bless our gifts unto our church as we give them. Amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise God all creatures here below. Praise God above, ye heavenly host. Praise Creator Christ and Holy Ghost. Amen. And now as we have so gathered, not together in body physically, but still together as the body of Christ, Let us bend the knees of our hearts and bow our heads before our creator, sustainer, and Lord in prayer. Let us pray. O Lord, hear our prayer. O Lord,
1: hear our prayer.
0: Merciful God, full of grace, hear our prayers of confession and our prayers of need in these next few moments of silence. Surprising God, you have an uncomfortable habit of showing up where we least expect you, in a burning bush, in the face of an enemy in a stable on a rough wooden cross turn our lives upside down with your radical love help us to fully embrace your surprises even as we revel in the joy of being fully embraced by your all-encompassing grace and mercy god of mystery we are constantly amazed by the depth and breadth of your love Over and over again, you turn our expectations inside out and upside down. And still, we don't understand the radical nature of your grace. We play by our own rules of justice, even when it means excluding those we are called by you to love and to defend. In our darkest moments, we doubt if we are worthy of your trust. God, help us remember that you give us all the tools we need that through the solid foundation of your love, we find the strength to follow your call as true disciples of Jesus Christ. Be with us always through the darkest and brightest of moments, reminding us of your love, extending to us your strength, reassuring us of your power and filling us with your peace. Help us to always be able to pause in the midst of all that we do and are to see and recognize the burning of you. We pray all these things in his name and continue to pray as Jesus taught us to, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Our final hymn this morning is entitled, He is Lord, and is number 177 in our hymnal.
1: He is Lord, he is Lord, he is risen from the dead, and he is Lord. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is Lord, he is Lord. He is is risen from the dead and he is Lord. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that jesus christ is
0: lord before we take our leave now of one another by turning off this podcast and going on with our day and our week may we recite the prayer of saint francis of assisi together lord make me an instrument of your peace where there is hatred let me sow love where there is injury pardon that we are born into eternal life. Amen. Let us go forth now, loving and serving the Lord and rejoicing in the power of the Spirit. And may God's blessing be upon us and remain with us always. And all God's children say, Amen. Shalom to you
1: now, shalom, my friends. May God's full mercies bless you, my friends. In all your living and through your loving, Christ be your shalom, Christ be your shalom.